from South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 9th, 2023, from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. In this episode, we look at 1st Congressional District Representative Nancy Mace's big vote last week to oust House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Mace was one of eight Republicans who joined Democrats in supporting the far-right push to remove McCarthy just nine months into his term. We talk with Mayan Schechter about the moves in Washington. And we jump on the campaign trail with Senator Tim Scott. The lead loves hearing from everyone. That's why we have a voicemail box set up at 803-563-7169. We need to change the uh, message on the voicemail box. We know it is from COVID times, but that shouldn't stop you from calling and letting us know what's on your mind. We love hearing from you guys and knowing uh, what's happening. Give us some hot takes. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world. We don't necessarily need to talk about the news, but whatever you want to talk about, we're down for Republican Nancy Mace is no stranger to headlines and getting media interviews. But last week, the media-savvy Low Country Congresswoman got right in the middle of it during the far-right push to oust House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. We talk with Mayon Schechter about this in a moment, but first, here is a piece Mayon produced on Congresswoman Mace. Nancy Mace told reporters that Kevin McCarthy had broken promises to her. I've made deals with Kevin McCarthy, with the speaker, that he has not kept to help women in this country. And we have done nothing for them. And I come from South Carolina. When you shake my hand and you make a promise and you don't keep it, there are consequences to those actions. And as a woman who has been fighting my party on this issue to be made promises that we're going to work to get women greater access to birth control and we don't do it, and now we're 10 months in and we don't have time to do it, or as a survivor of rape, and I worked all year on a rape kit bill that hasn't seen the time of day, I cannot tell you how frustrating that is as a woman in this conference, in this Capitol, to have that happen. Like, I, I, if you make a promise, you should keep it. And if you promise women you're going to help them, then you damn well better do it. Her vote against McCarthy may have isolated her within her own party, but those like former State House GOP leader Gary Simrall, who served with Mace in the legislature, says she doesn't always toe the party line. To paraphrase Dirty Dancing um, in, in a cinematic way, the um, no, no one paints Nancy in a corner. Her, her views and her actions are, are her. Uh, they, are not, they are not of a party structure. You know, that that's my that's my view. She has a very independent streak in her in her viewpoints. Mace wasn't in the corner last week when she fully embraced her role as the only South Carolina Republican to boot McCarthy. She has since backed Ohio's Jim Jordan for speaker. Nancy Mace spoke to CBS News Face the Nation about her decision to back Jordan. I am going to be supporting Jim Jordan for speaker for a number of reasons. I think that uh, his values, his work ethic, his ability to just run circles around everyone with regards to policy and pushing forward. We've been one of the least productive Congresses in, inside of 30 years, mm -hmm. and he's going to be a workhorse for our country. And I'm really looking forward to rolling up our sleeves this week, no matter how this shakes out, and working hard for the American 
American people because we've got to stand up for the people. We've got to put the American people first and move this country forward and do it in a positive way. And I think he's going to bring that to the table. Mays has outdone expectations her entire career. The 45-year-old broke barriers at South Carolina's military college, the Citadel, when she became the first female cadet to graduate. In 2020, Mace defeated a freshman Democrat to retake the Coastal 1st District. Two years later, she fended off a GOP challenger, supported by former President Donald Trump. And in her party, she's also staked out more moderate positions, for example, on marijuana decriminalization and abortion, when she fought for sexual assault exceptions going back more than four years ago. In a speech then, it was personal for her. When I came forward in October of 2018, I was told I could not have been a victim of sexual assault because I was Republican. But you've seen women who are Democrats who've come forward, and the same thing happens on the other side of the aisle, and it's wrong. People in her district, like Kevin Henley, who chairs the Beaufort County GOP, says they're used to her contrarian style. She marches to her own drummer. She, she stakes out her own position on the issues. And sometimes she goes to the right of where the party is, and sometimes she goes to the left. I, I think that if a new speaker goes in and does a good job, and I certainly wish him best of luck for sure. You'd be surprised how soon people forget about things like this. People have very short memories in politics and when it comes to stuff like this, because, you know, they'll, they'll oh, uh, Kevin who, you know, you know, oh, McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean Gene McCarthy or Joe McCarthy? Who are you talking about? Which one, you know? And the reaction from voters in the first district is pretty mixed. 68-year-old voter Tamla Maxim questioned Mace's vote at a time when the GOP is already divided. 69-year-old Deborah Hall, who said she voted for Mace twice, said she was, quote, a little appalled by the vote, but said she could understand why Mace decided to oust him. I think it is going to have an impact. Uh, I think every decision that is publicly, and of course should be, um, the voters, that's who she serves. She serves the state of South Carolina. And at this point, people have to make that decision on their own. So Mace has started fundraising with the message of being attacked by the D.C. establishment. Her district is probably still the closest to being competitive in Ruby Red, South Carolina. For more, I'm joined now by Mayan. Mayan, hello. Hello. Always good to be here. TGIM. The oh. M there stands for Mayan. Thank God it's of Mayan. Course. Trademark. <laughs> So, Mayan, you talk about in your piece about Nancy's independent streak. You hear it from a lot of folks talking about that. Uh, but this move really seems to have had more blowback than some of the other big moments that she's had recently. And I think we'll, there's still room to, to figure out and see whether that blowback will be pretty serious or not. Right mm -hmm. now, she, she may be in a more of an isolation kind of, a, kind of a zone. She was the only Republican in South Carolina's congressional delegation in the House to vote to boot McCarthy the, the former U.S. House Speaker, of mm -hmm. course, uh, Congressman Jim Clyburn, was uh, voted with the rest of the Democrats to, to also oust him as, as well. But she, she definitely has uh, made a name for herself within the GOP caucus, also within the delegation. And it's, it's hard to say what her relationship is right now with the rest of the delegation. There was a, a Politico piece last week where I think it indicated knives were out for, for Nancy mm -hmm. Mace. And I believe there was some anonymous lawmakers basically talking about her going on television. Really trying too hard was like the, the vibe that they were saying. Like she's really just always doing so much, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to be like that. And then they, some folks in that political piece were also saying, like, you know, she really comes across like she's 
she's trying to be like a big player, but everyone's like, she's really not that big of a player. I mean, again, it's just like uh, only halfway through her second term there in, right. in Congress. Right. And he, she probably has a, a ways away of, I mean, a long career potentially. I mean, mm-hmm. people generally, once you're an incumbent in, in Congress, you tend to get reelected. And so she probably has a few more years to kind of stake that claim and, yeah. and being someone someone bigger. But I, I think it remains to be seen. I, I will say this, and, and this is, I, I talked to several folks down in the first district to kind of get a sense of their reaction to her vote to oust McCarthy. And the Beaufort County GOP chairman said to me that for him, the best indicator will be her fundraising numbers mm. in the next quarter. Did she see a bump? from her vote or uh, because, for example, she, you know, voted to oust McCarthy and McCarthy uh, helped her fundraise in her last two house bids. Does that hurt her in the fundraising area? I was listening to a recording today of her interview over the weekend with CBS News Face the Nation, and she said that the reaction back home has been very positive for mm-hmm. her. And I think some of the voters you talked to also down in Bluffton had kind of mixed reviews as well. Uh, another piece, uh, too, that I think is important in, in this conversation about Nancy Mace that the Beaufort County GOP chairman reminded me of, which mm-hmm. is in politics, people have short term memories. This is one vote. And if Kevin McCarthy's successor, I mean, you know, maybe at this point it's McCarthy again. But if mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy's successor is successful and, uh, you know, by January, you know, Nancy Mace could look like a genius in in helping to oust McCarthy. True. So I think there's still time to figure out how this exactly impacts her. And, you know, she'll be she'll have a primary possibly in June. And that's a long ways away from right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of those big political gambles. It seems like she's willing to be taking a lot more and more of these days. But again, she continues to get the headlines. She gets the attention. She gets on cable news, Steve Bannon's podcast, like all these different places. Uh, And she's really becoming a little bit of a Lindsey Graham in the making. I've told her, I've actually told her this before. I ran into her at Halls once in in Charleston. I was like, you know, you're kind of like Lindsey Graham. I might have had a martini, but (laughs) But I was like, you know, because Lindsey's always everywhere, everywhere all at once too. So it's like, um, do we think that this is just, again, her trying to, again, maybe make a, a smart decision when we look at it two, three, six, a year, like two, six months from now, like stuff like that. Um, do we just think that this is maybe her way of like really trying to get something to stick in a way of her becoming a bigger player here? I mean, quite possibly. I mean, the reality is, is that if, if somebody else becomes speaker, so say, for example, Jim Jordan, the Ohio congressman, becomes speaker, and that is a candidate that Nancy Mace has uh, endorsed. She endorsed him over the weekend. Uh, you know, the fact that her booting out McCarthy could be used to her advantage mm-hmm. with Jim Jordan. Maybe Jim Jordan does decide he wants to help her out with legislation because he opened up this this door for him. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I asked people if they they thought she had kind of any similarities to to Lindsey Graham and sort of the, the reaction I got was, well, you know, both of them clearly want to probably have a seat at the table in some kind of capacity. Mm -hmm. And so by her sort of pulling herself out of the pack, which is not really hard to do when you're the only woman in an entire delegation, but pulling herself out of the pack and and making a voice for herself, I mean, she kind of can create her own her own lane for herself and Mm -hmm. and possibly be successful. Again, time time will really tell on that one. You know, she's really kind of springboarded more so than some other folks in that delegation. People who aren't from South Carolina will be like, oh, yeah, Nancy Mays versus the like you can say William Timmons or Joe Wilson. They might know Joe Wilson from yelling you lie. But like she just has made a, such a name for herself in such a short amount of time, which is which mm-hmm. is quite remarkable. But that was also springboarded with all those media appearances, like just a couple of days after she first got sworn in. 
during January 6th. Like, I remember she was just, like, blitzed with media interviews because she was willing to say the things that other folks weren't saying. And that's why the media, you can say, fell yeah. in love with her in the first place. Look, I mean, she her, she and her office clearly know how to get her, her mm-hmm. out on the headlines and get her on television. And, you know, for especially maybe for fundraising, that that can definitely be a boost. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure even going on Steve Bannon's radio show, which, you know, obviously she voted to, what, hold him in contempt not that long ago, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, there could have been a fundraising strategy to that, I, you know, with no no more McCarthy help there. I, I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it just gets weird if uh, McCarthy gets back in there, but who knows if that would even happen. I mean, that's been politics, politics, politics. So. Who knows? Uh, just kind of wrapping up my own, though, since the situation in Israel uh, occurred over the weekend, the dynamics of this race have really changed, and I think it seems like there's a bigger push for Republicans to really unify and like get a speaker in there because a lot's going on. Big decisions need to be made. There needs to be some unity in America for strength. I mean, we are going to hear from Nikki Haley in a moment and Tim Scott just kind of talking about how without unity we are weaker, especially when it comes to national security. So any thoughts from folks about just getting unified at this point and just making sure, you know, the House can actually govern itself mm-hmm. because there's so much going on right now? Right. Well, I've seen kind of... A I've I've seen both sides talking about like that that having a speaker not having a speaker hurts them coming back. I, you know, I've seen a lot of like things on both sides of that, but uh, I, I do think that there is some some unity on on wanting to to get back to business, coming back to session, having a speaker because it, it's not the best look when you do have a bit of an international crisis, which now we know that there were some Americans that were killed in Israel. So now it is not just an international crisis. It's a bit of a domestic one as well to not have your, you know, not to put a cliche out there, but your house in order. Yeah. So I do think that there is some unison in, in getting back to business. Now, the question of is there unison on a speaker? Well, you and I were just talking. There's a Hill reporter who was tweeting that right now, neither Jim Jordan or the other speaker candidate, Steve Scalise from Louisiana, have the 217, 218 votes to actually make them speaker. And then I saw mm. some tweets today. Kevin McCarthy was talking to, I believe, reporters about Israel. Maybe McCarthy is kind of staging uh, a possible comeback. So the vote is expected to happen, what, on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. It's like given the fact that McCarthy only became speaker after like 15 votes, yeah. you know, who who knows how long this one is going to yeah. take. Yeah, and I know a big reason, a big factor is also that ability for any member to oust the speaker to that motion to vacate is going to be a big thing there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, who would want that job if you can get kicked out from one person that leads the charge and people like Nancy Mason and other folks jump on board? I'm happy to be an observer. <laughs> Very good, Mayan Schechter. Thank you so much for that report. Thank you, as always. Next up, Republican presidential candidate Senator Tim Scott was on the campaign trail in the Low Country last Friday. <laughs> Scott held a meet and greet event in Bluffton, which is down the coast right near Hilton Head, if you don't know where I'm talking about. More than 300 folks packed out a very small coffee shop slash bar in the quaint downtown. In fact, Scott didn't even spend much time on his stump speech. He wanted to talk to the crowd, shake hands, and see folks. He talked for a few minutes and then turned it over to the beyond capacity crowd of some 150 folks where I was in this building just for some questions. Scott was asked by one gentleman what five things he would do on day one as president. The first two things Scott said center around growing America's energy sector. But now let's start with number three. I would focus on ending, ending 
illegal immigration across our southern border by finishing the wall that can't be done right now, and I would use five billion dollars in a nation that spends seven trillion dollars to use the available military-grade technology to provide surveillance on our southern border to stop fentanyl from killing the 70,000 more Americans in the next 12 months, and to stop human trafficking from crossing our border. America is the number one destination for sex slavery in the world. We can stop that using technology, and then, anyone heard of the Inflation Reduction Act? <laughs> Doesn't the words, the, 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 the words themselves make me laugh? Because it increases inflation, not reduces inflation. But those 87,000 IRS agents over the next 10 years, we should slash that $42 billion from enforcement from the IRS and put it on our border and double our border patrol. This is 3A and B. We have to have Remain in Mexico reinstated. And we have to have an asylum policy that doesn't give you until 2024, 2034, before you have to show up in court. And then finally, I would turn to one of my favorite subjects, our military. On day one, I would purge from our military all the social experimentation from vaccine mandates, the ESG, the DEI, the gender issues, and abortion issues. Our men and women deserve to focus on winning the battle and coming home safe. That's all they need to focus on. And finally, number five, I would fire every single political appointee in the Department of Justice. Several questions from the crowd, which was primarily made up of retirees, centered around trust in American institutions that they feel has been eroded. What he said was, number one, term limits, and number two, a lot of people in office seem to make uh, a relatively decent salary, but they're worth $100 million. Then he names some people that he thought might be affiliated with that. Obviously, if you check my financial disclosures, you will see he was not talking about me. <laughs> number one. Number two, I have committed, win, lose, or draw, that this is my last term in the Senate because I believe that if you want something done, lead by example. I love serving the great people of South Carolina, but I believe that term limits is a necessary component to a high-functioning government where there are people who understand, come to Washington, go home, please. So, I'm not going to answer the net worth of other people that I don't have, but I can tell you that the greatest privilege that I have, besides being Francis Scott's son and giving my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, is serving the people of South Carolina. Senator Scott is in a bit of a slump in the polls, even after his more aggressive approach in the debate late last month. The latest Winthrop poll, which will go into detail on Saturday's pod, has Scott in fourth place, well behind former President Donald Trump, former Governor Nikki Haley, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Scott did gaggle with the press afterwards, and I asked him about Congresswoman Mace's vote to oust McCarthy. Here's what he had to say. The road to socialism runs right through a divided Republican Party. And when you have 4% of the party that can overturn the will of the other 96%, it can't be good for the conference. It certainly is not good for America. 
Instead of talking about Bidenomics and the devastation that it's had to the American people, we're talking about a speaker's race. Instead of talking about more resources for closing the southern border, we're talking about the speaker's race. Instead of thinking about human trafficking or, or the greatest time of, of slavery in this nation's history, which is sex slavery, today we're talking about the speaker's race. We should really focus on the American people's priorities. Uniting the Republican Party, getting that done and staying united is in our best interest. I also spoke with a few voters at that event, including Deborah Hall. You heard from her in my aunt's piece, and she's a 69-year-old mental health therapist in Bluffton. Deborah, who has called the state home on and off for 50 years, works with folks who have been human trafficked and sexually assaulted. She strongly supports Scott because of his stance against human trafficking. I have been a part of the community here, and I think that Tim Scott is a grassroots kind of guy. And so is Nikki Haley. I mean, she did a fabulous job in Charleston when the Mother Emanuel crisis hit. I was so impressed. But, um, and I'm impressed too that she has the international capability that Tim does not. But I think Tim is our hometown fella, and I want to be here to support him. And if you thought that was all the campaign trail news I had for you, well, think again, folks. That's right, Senator Tim Scott continued his South Carolina swing in Greenville on Monday, where he had a town hall and then also spoke with faith leaders in light of the situation in Israel. Biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy was also in the upstate area, and he held town hall events in Rock Hill and Spartanburg on Monday. And Ramaswamy also filed to be on the South Carolina primary ballot as well. The deadline to file for the February 24th primary is... October 31st. Happy Halloween. We'll see who was willing to shell out the $50,000 fee. That ain't no trick or treat, folks. Speaking of filing, former Governor Haley will be filing to be on the New Hampshire ballot later this week, though we still don't have a date yet for the first in the nation Republican presidential primary. Keep us in suspense, New Hampshire, by all means. Sticking with Haley, she was on NBC's Meet the Press following Secretary of State Antony Blinken, and she weighed in on the major attack against Israel, launched by the Palestinian militant group Hamas on Saturday. Here's part of Haley's interview with moderator Kristen Wilker. Well, I think that there will be a time and place to deal with whether it was an intelligence failure. I think right now what I want the American people to know is just imagine the Israeli people woke up to seeing their own citizens dragged in the streets, the elderly children, women taken as hostages, whole families murdered. And so now today the Israeli um, people and the country are having to face the fact that their loved ones are being deployed, that they are having to go to the front lines to defend their country, that businesses are having to be shuttered because their workers are leaving to go defend the country, and because they've had a massive terrorist attack. And so I think that one, prayers for determination and strength for the Israeli people, but what I want the American people to know is what happened when they were dragging those people in the streets? What happened when they were murdering innocent Israelis? The Hamas, and the backers who support them, the, the Iranian regime, were, were chanting death to Israel, death to America. That's what we have to remember. We are united with Israel because we are united because both Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, and the Iranian backers, they hate us. And we have to remember that what happened to Israel could happen here in America. And I hope that we all unite and stand with Israel because they really need us right now. Quick follow-up there, Ambassador. Does that mean that you are concerned about potential attacks on the home front in the wake of what we saw in Israel? 
I have been concerned. I have been terribly worried about the fact that Iran has said the easiest way to get into America is through the southern border. We have an open border. People are coming through. They're not being vetted. We don't need to wait for another 9-11. You also look at the fact that, Kristen, America is incredibly distracted and incredibly divided. And when America's distracted, the world is less safe. And look at what happened to Israel. They waited for them to be distracted. And that's when your enemies move in. Mm. America needs to wake up. We need to put this negativity and division behind us. And we need to focus on national security for ourselves and for our friends um, and start thinking about what it's going to take to get America strong again. And she wasn't the only South Carolinian running for president that was on a Sunday show. That's right. Senator Scott appeared on CBS's Face a Nation in a pre-taped segment with moderator Margaret Brennan. This was before the Hamas attack on Israel. Since we already heard from Senator Scott, I'm not going to use any clips of that interview. And finally, a heads up. I will be in Washington on Tuesday ahead of the arguments before the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday over the redrawn 1st Congressional District map. The case is centered around the map drawn from the 2020 census that a lower federal court said was racially gerrymandered. The map was approved by the state legislature and signed by the governor in early 2022. Days later, on February 10th, the South Carolina chapter of the NAACP and a voter filed a suit against State Senate President Thomas Alexander, other lawmakers, and the State Election Commission asserting that the map was racially gerrymandered. A panel of three federal judges in Charleston ruled this past February in favor of the NAACP, saying the map was unconstitutional after 30,000 black Charleston County residents were moved out of the somewhat purple Lowcountry district. Senate President Alexander appealed that South Carolina federal court's ruling, and in May, the U.S. Supreme Court decided to hear the case this term. We'll have coverage of that case in Saturday's episode, and we'll also catch up with Winthrop University political science professor Dr. Scott Huffman and look at the finding of his latest Winthrop poll. And another FYI, I will also be in New Hampshire later this week on the campaign trail with Nikki Haley. So stay tuned. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. A.T., I'm glad that you're here. Our producer, A.T. Shire. Oh, thank you so much for having me, allowing me to speak in this Easy. little break. Allowing me. I, Easy. He, 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 he has me in a cage with um, a blanket over it so I don't get too stimulated. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. So get, get the blanket back. Get the blanket. Uh, yes. Gonna get, the, get the blanket. We're in the same studio right now, A.T. Folks can hear this difference, It's I think. not good. Oh, it's palpable. It's palpable. So palpable. Oh, pure palp, baby. Anyway, Gavin. Yeah. Uh, in this little break, from we, the news, we take some voicemails. Okay. So, are you ready to take a voicemail, Mister, in the same room as me? Okay, are you ready? That sounds terrific. Okay, terrific. Let's go. Cue it up. Hey, Gavin and At. This is Joan, your devoted Myrtle Beach leader. It's almost a year since I last called in, so there's so much to catch up on. Ages ago, you asked for the weirdest online ad we'd ever seen. Well, we started renovating our kitchen at the end of June, you know, very straightforward, same footprint, no major changes, don't ask why it's still not done, but we've been searching a lot online for the usual kitchen gear, door pulls and knobs, sinks, faucets, blah, blah, blah. Of course, it generated tons of online ads, but it was pretty hilarious when my husband started getting ads for cast iron manhole covers, so go figure, we're not renovating the city streets. So I'm also late to offer feedback on the lead format. I enjoy the pod totally. 
like other leaders, I come to the news, I stay for the banter. It's like listening to my younger brothers, Josh, around, you make me laugh out loud. And I really appreciate having my aunt and Meg and other women in the mix, too. So honestly, I think it's pretty hard to improve on the formula you have. You cover the big statewide buckets, politics, health, education, legislation, economics, in a comprehensive and even-handed style. But I will say ditto to Ben from Greenville, who suggested adding more regional news, maybe giving local or weekly newspaper reporters an occasional platform. Horry County is one of the fastest growing counties in the nation, and the development here is jaw-dropping. Trees disappear, wetlands go away, there's flooding, jammed roads, stuffed schools. It's crazy. So how does crazy growth here or in Greenville or in Charleston impact the rest of the state? Our rural counties lose population, lose tax bases. How do we ensure services and opportunities are balanced for all South Carolinians. So wrapping up, I've been in Myrtle Beach for 11 and a half years, and I don't go to the major tourist attractions. But when you mentioned medieval times, something clicked, and I bought tickets for next month when our 14-year-old granddaughter comes down from Maine for her birthday. So thanks for dropping a great tip in my own backyard. And by the way, I'd love to see a live lead taping here. So I'll sign off with a reminder to all lead listeners to please support South Carolina ETV with whatever you can spare. Become a sustaining star. Send a little bit every month. South Carolina needs to support the honest, thoughtful news coverage that we get from the lead and public radio and TV. Ciao, guys. Joan from Myrtle Beach, thank you for calling. What a wonderful voicemail Amazing from Joan. Amazing voicemail. Comprehensive. From yeah, front to back. She had it all planned out there. And congrats on renovating the kitchen, though. Oh, it, yeah. It's never ending, it sounds like. Do they ever end? I don't think I don't renovations think so. I, work. It, once you start, you, you pull one thing off, it's another thing. And then again, the ads, like she's and saying, the cast you're iron go, manhole you're, covers. You're going to need that manhole cover, okay? I mean, why would you even buy one? Just go take one off the street. Just, they're Le- free. It's free and legal. <laughs> These are my tax dollars. It's just like throwing uh, your car batteries in the ocean. Okay, I'm, getting, I'm getting a note from our lawyer who has now been joining us on the wind down section <laughs> that we have to say, yeah. do not steal public property or throw any batteries in the ocean. It charges that, the electric Is that enough? Is okay. That, Stan, was that they're, good? They're shaking their head. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Very good. Anyone anyway, does. Joan, thank you yeah. so much. We oh, The truth is on our Patreon. We, re- <laughs> we really want yeah. a dispatch back. Don't, don't make it be too long. We want to hear how medieval times yes was for you. oh it was just so great for me i mean you heard us talk about it when we were out there for it was Producer Sean's, uh, bachelor party we want to know if your night wins yes how what what i what the show look like see if mm-hmm. there's variance i mean we were front row and we really yeah. talked with them yeah and uh i i was you know i mean i was asking that waitress um i wanted the the maid the maiden mm-hmm. i was asking her i'm like i need the details yeah. like what is the backstory drama with the queen yes. and these knights mm-hmm. like who has beef with who? It was good. Who might be dating who? Like, I just, I, I I can sense something's going on here, and I need to know. That's the show that I want to do. That's the podcast I want. The inside stories of, like, cruise ship actors and Oof, comedians. God, and, like, live, entertainment, live entertainers, oh. like, 
Give me those backstories. What, I, what, what I would the name that. of that podcast be like? It, it would be a show by Mark Burnett uh, <laughs> on on yeah. CBS at uh, Thursday nights. Yeah, whoever from like, like iHeartRadio, whoever from iHeartRadio is listening right now is like, yeah. oh my god, these we got an idea, and yeah. they're like just put a bunch of ads in it so you never get anything. Andy out of Cohen it. is listening. He is a listener. Yeah, I, well, I know that. we're and not he's, supposed to say, he's, it, but he's, he's going to steal this. He's a listener. Um, he calls all the time. And also, we are going to try and do a live taping, Joan, in Myrtle Beach that has we been on our to. list of things to do for several years now. Years. Years and years and years. And we're always like, spring break. We've got to do a spring break a show. A spring break episode in Myrtle Beach, lead style? God, can't just, you just can't you just hear Gavin and I walking on the beach, asking randos, hey, what do you think about... Do you know who your congressman is? <laughs> yes. Like, that would be so... Going to, going to Margaritaville and asking politics <laughs> questions? God, imagine what we could learn. Yeah. Huh? And I, I hate to leave you um, stranded this week, A.T., because you are going to be at the State Fair on Friday. Come see A.T. at the State oh, Fair. Oh, my gosh. Thank Mayan you. will be there, too. Yeah. What, Mayan and I, uh, Friday the 13th, <gasps> it, real, real prime time, mm. come see Mayan and A.T. inside... One of the buildings. I don't know which one. I it's should inside. read my. I should read my emails. It's inside. And uh, we'll be there probably with nothing to do. So I mean, come on, come hang come out. Talk, yeah. I hate because I, originally I was like, oh, I want to go. Like we're gonna go together. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna talk w- to the people at the fair because when you hear folks on this podcast, they are typically at a political event, so mm-hmm. it's, they're already kind of engaged. Folks at the fair, they are gonna be the entire spectrum, completely unplugged. And yeah. I wanted them to be just like, I want to be like Donald Trump. Nikki Haley. Go on. Tim Scott. And Go just on. see what they say. Yeah. I don't even ask a question. Just be like, prompts. Tim Scott. Exactly. Vivek Ramaswamy. Anyway, we so. know we've gone too long. Joan, yeah. your voicemail was just so good that Perfect. it made us ramble. We love you. Thank Please you. call in more often. With and thank these, you. With the, and thank you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Gavin, hit him with the outro. We love you all. Wish Gavin good luck on his flights. Bye-bye. Okay, we can't, we, we can't do this without Bye-bye. him. So we love him. So go ahead, Gavin. Thanks again for calling. Be like Joan. Leave us a message at 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. And you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't want your voice on the air, that's fine. Let us know. You can always just type that review, too. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. You can donate at both of those websites to the ongoing pledge drive happening right now on radio. And, of course, don't forget to support your local newspapers. A lot of support going around, folks. We need it. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. It's hard for people to understand the genius of South of Spooky. Oh, it's taking years. It's not going to be fully understood for years. <laughs> and we have done a full 360. <laughs> <laughs>